It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Wizards Podcast. It's your host, The Real Ed Oliver. I just want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. So today we have my new co-host, Mavs Draft. I'm just joking because, you know, he's been on the show a couple of times now. This is his third or fourth time. But how you doing today, man? Hey, you know, I was going to break it myself that I'm now Wizard to Draft, but appreciate you stealing the thunder. <laughs> right, yeah, anytime, anytime. So today we're going to talk about Benedict Mathurin. We may get to Shaden Sharp, we'll see, or on the next episode with Dice and Daniels, you know, who knows. But we're mainly going to talk about Benedict Mathurin. Um, so just to give a little background and context to Wizards fans who don't know who he is, he's six foot seven, 195 pounds. Um, he won the, he was 20, he was the all pack 12 team all and then all pack 12, all freshman team, the 2022 pack 12 player of the year, pack 12 tourney MVP, also all pack 12 tournament team as well. So he's got a lot of accolades there, six, seven, 195 pounds. Um, where do you have Benedict Mathurin on your big board? Yeah, he's been a guy who, as I watched him after the season, he really rose for me. I have him up at number five now. Right. Um, so you have him above Johnny Davis, um, Shaden Sharp, possibly AJ Griffin, guys like that, right? Yeah, I have Shaden Sharp at six, uh, AJ Griffin at seven, actually, and then Keegan Murray eight. So uh, and Johnny Davis is uh, just a little bit outside of the top ten. Right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty high praise for Benedict. Um, so I, I'm, I'm. With you on that, maybe AJ Griffin. I would probably swap either either way. I mean, I love I really like what Benedict Mathurin brings to the table. So, just looking at some numbers too, he's a really good three point shooter. His freshman year, he shot forty one percent from the three point line, shot three threes per game, and then his sophomore year, shot thirty six percent from the from the three point line, shot six threes per game, averaged ten points a game his freshman year. Then it jumped up to seventeen points per game in his sophomore year. Uh, what? What do you think really made his three-point percentage dip his sophomore year? Was it higher usage or more shots? What do you think happened to his three-pointer? Yeah, I think the usage just kind of caught up to him. I think it's easier to be a high-volume shooter just in general when you're mostly focused on shooting in a limited quantity. Uh, also, though, the the whole – his offseason was pretty short. He played in the FIBA U19s for Canada. And when you're doing that, you've got the end of the season in 
April, depending on how far you go for most teams, it's March. You'd start training in May and then you have the FIBAs in was it June, July. And then you have about a month in between before school starts back up of nothing. And then boom, you're right back at it. So probably just a tight schedule. Some players adjusted better than others, but I think that's really the main little background behind why that would have happened. Right. And uh, since he did play FIBA, where is Benedict from? Because, you know, the Wizards, they love international guys, Rihat Samira, Denny Avdia, um, they, Tommy Shepard, he just loves his international guys. Yeah, not not too international, uh, mm. but he, uh, he's from Montreal. And he also was actually with the NBA Academy, which is an international little school they have uh, out in Mexico City. But his first sport was ice hockey. And uh, if you remember Jalen Suggs last year, Mike Jalen Suggs, he was a quarterback too. So he's, he's oh, wow. a well-decorated athlete. Yeah, I can definitely tell. The dunk against TCU, that was probably my favorite college basketball dunk. Um, it's ridiculous. The Wizards need some athleticism. They need some three-point shooting. They need some guys with energy and a lot of heart. Um, so one thing about his game, uh, what did you think about his finishing and touch around the rim? I, I've heard some people say some of his weaknesses is his finishing around the rim other than you know dunks. What, what did you think about that? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a weakness, but it's not a strength. I think he's best using his finishing ability off cuts when he's self-creating. That is when some of those weaknesses or just lesser skills come out as uh, as off of his own creation ability. Right. Yeah, he's one of he's a really good off ball off ball cutter. I did see uh, some stats off for synergy. He scored seven seven total points off of cuts um, and one point four two six. In the he was an 86 percentile for cutting in uh, the NCAA, which is which is really good. We need a lot of guys that can move without the ball too. So, where do you see him position wise? Do you see him as a two or a three? Do you think he can play some point here and there, initiating offense? The Wizards do need a point guard. I don't see him as a point guard, but do you see he can facilitate and initiate offense in the in the NBA? Yeah, he got a lot better at passing this season, but it's still not something I would consider a strength. It's something more, if he gets in a tight situation, you can still trust him to generally make a right decision. But ultimately, being a point guard is, is pretty out of the picture, I think. For me, I see him as a mostly a three with the ability, depending on the lineup, he can play shooting guard, depending on how many ball handlers are in the lineup. And then he can also go up and play the small ball four because he's long, and he can just stretch the defense, be athletic. He's a mismatch in that way. Right. Where do you see his – what is his swing skill in the NBA? What are the scouts looking for him to improve on? Yeah, I, I think it's mostly that playmaking. is It's a connecting piece. It's going to be really what puts him as a role player or a star player. If he can become a passer, you look at six, seven wings. It's almost the prototype, right? Six, seven, six, eight, something like that. Uh, if you're in that window and you can pass, defend, and shoot the lights out and you're athletic – that is a mold of a star player. So if teams want him to be a superstar, or I guess star, I'm going to start with star, not not hype of a, a potential like fringe top 10 guy as a superstar, but, you know, that mold is very much so being a, a star build. Definitely. So, yeah, we're going to get to some of his rebounding, more shooting, playmaking, talking about him, and also talking about his defensive strengths and weaknesses on defense. We're going to get to some comparisons later on and his ceiling or where his floor is. But before we do get into that, this episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? What is AG1? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, 
whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of these things together. It costs less. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-time, all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA Network to take ownership over your health and help help health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. Big Board. Mavs, draft was, Mavs Draft was just on NBA Big Board with Rafael Barlow. So check that episode out. Um, also, check out the NBA Big Board newsletter, which is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and, of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right. So I just want to get to some other skill sets other than, you know, the regular just shooting and, you know, passing, you know, talk about his rebounding, his energy and athleticism. I feel like that's some, that's like an underrated skill of his game. Yeah, he's really athletic. He has a, a strong first step good explosiveness you saw it and you pointed it out in the first portion a little bit ago that that explosive dunk against tcu i don't think that was out of the ordinary it was something that we didn't see a lot but it's more he didn't get to showcase that a lot so i really like his explosiveness i think he's even more explosive off ball and arizona runs a ton of cuts for him and a lot of times those are alley-oops coming off off ball curls things like that so and it really helps him in another area the athleticism helps him in is that, uh, that athleticism, you know, gets him above bigs on rebounds. He can just simply jump higher. So you look at him as an off-ball athlete, and that's a really valuable strength. Uh, if, you, if you're a college basketball fan and you've seen Kansas, they do that a lot. They use those small forwards as cutters, the athletic forwards, and it really works. And in the NBA, I think it's also a very translatable skill. Right. Yeah, offensive rebounder, he averaged about – Four, he averaged 5.6 rebounds a game. His freshman year, he averaged 4.8 rebounds a game. I mean, that's really good for a, a small forward, a shooting guard, um, you know, being 6'7". Six, six, being six, 
Um, he got a lot of offensive rebounds, so it, it really showed off his athleticism there. Um, I want to talk about his defense. The Wizards were bottom. They were 25 in defensive, effici- defensive efficiency. They actually regressed from last year. They were supposed to improve, you know, with Wes Enzo Jr. coming in as the head coach, being a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, what did you see from Benedict Mathurin defensively? Yeah, I think he stands out. He's almost a, a prototypical wing in that way. He he holds his own. He's not weak. He's not exactly like, you know, bulldozer strong. He's not Tari Eason in terms of strength. He's one of the strongest players in the draft. But he's long. He's athletic. His recovery ability is really strong. And ultimately, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes on defense. He doesn't fall asleep a lot. He doesn't really get beat off his spot. His reflexes are good. There's a lot of positives there. And ultimately, I don't know how good of a defender he is in the NBA day one, but year two, I think you'd see a big jump from him on that end. Right. Yeah, I think so. Do you think he can guard twos, threes and fours and ones? I think he can. I think he can guard one through three. Um, And depending the lineup, you know, it's kind of an unfair answer, but teams go small every single game. I think he could go one through four in, in a lot of lineups. Definitely. What do you see his ceiling in and as his floor in the NBA? Yeah, just in terms of role, you look at his floor being a 3 and D. I mean, that's it's a really high floor. If you're a 3 and D guy uh, and you also have the athleticism, it's going to work as an off-ball player. His ceiling is just being a star. I, I really do think he has star potential. That's why I moved him all the way up to number five. You look at if his passing and ball handling come along, you're looking at a, a really modern wing in every way that can defend, can pass, can shoot. And like I said, that's just the mold of a star in the NBA, especially at his size. So I I love his upside, and his floor is very reasonable too. Definitely. Where do you see – or who do you you think you could compare him to as in the NBA right now? Man, I hate – I hate comparing (laughs) guys to all stars. Like I don't mind the comparison. It's just like me, myself, I know – that my comparisons suck. So I'm going to do it anyways, especially on this one. I hate comparing to all-stars, but, you know, it's unfair because this player I'm going to compare him to had a big growth spurt after going in a projected range. Benedict Matherin is projected to, but Paul George, mm. it just screams a lot of the same stuff. Oh, the wow. ball handling that. came along late. It was a late bloomer. Um, that's how I see Matherin. I think there's a very real outcome. And you're probably asking, well, if I think he's Paul George, why don't I only have him number five? I can't answer because I'm irrational. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's tough competition. I mean, you're going, he's going up against Jaden Ivey. He's going to Paolo. Chet is a unicorn. Jabari Smith is a unicorn. So he's got four. This is a, you know, the top of the draft class is a really, really solid draft class. So for him to be mentioned as five is, is pretty darn good being above Johnny Davis, who's rose up draft boards, Keegan Murray, AJ Griffin, different guys like that. Um, but I'm excited. I really hope he falls past, you know, the Wizards are most likely going to get the 10th pick. So where do you see – where's the lowest you see him falling in the draft and where's the highest you see him going in the draft? Yeah, you know, I can see him going – assuming the lottery – even though this is a dumb assumption because it won't happen, assuming mm-hmm. that it holds the order it is at least six through the end of the lottery, say the only top five teams are in it, which is more realistic. Portland is very – I think the way they're building out kind of these – they want these day one guys that can also grow into upside next to Simons for the ultimate – you know, end of Dame days. So Portland could be the early outcome. I don't see a way that he goes past Washington. I, I love that fit. And I love that mm-hmm. I'm able to talk about him there because it's just such a great fit. I, I really do think that's his number one. And honestly, Washington should trade up if they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would love that. So we're actually going to get to his fit on the Washington Wizards next and how he would fit next to Bradley Bill and Chris Porzingis. 
But before we do get to that, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar tastes really good. I love it. Uh, cookies and cream is my favorite player, favorite, not player, but my favorite flavor. Um, it tastes just like a candy gar- candy bar, but it's super, super healthy. Have you tried the puffs? We are going crazy for the puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. So sign me up for that. Built Bar makes sure that there is something for everyone. Know what my favorite flavor is again? It's cookies and cream. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to Built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious. And new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at Built.com. Go to Build.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. So I just want to get your thoughts on his fit with the Wizards. How do you see him fitting in with Bradley Bill? With the roster constructed right now, if they don't make any trades, you know, point guard, you know, there's a question mark at the point guard position. Let's say they just sign um, Tyus Jones at free agency or something like that. And Bradley Bills at the two. Um, they've been starting KCP at the three. Not the biggest fan of that, to be honest. Um, then Kuz most likely will be the four. Rui comes off the bench. And um, Porzingis would be your five. So where do you see uh, Mathurin fitting in day one on that roster? Yeah, I, I don't know if he starts because, like, I mean, you just laid it out pretty well. Depending on the roster shakeup, what they do, they could, you know, move KCP, Kuzma, one of those two, which changes a lot. Maybe even Rui because he's entering a contract year. But assuming everything stays the same, I think he starts as uh, as a off the bench player. And actually, I'm looking at the. I don't know how this never clicked. One of the floor comparisons everybody uses is KCP for Benedict Matherin. So maybe you can learn from him a little bit and in, in the ways he plays with Bradley Beal because. I, I personally like the fit of KCP next to Beal. I know a lot of the numbers for uh, KCP, the metrics and stuff, say he wasn't good with him and all that, but eh, I, I don't know. The eye test, I think, weighs a little bit more for me on that. I, I think the off-ball threat, we saw him do it in L.A. with LeBron. I really like that role. I think he's a universal fit next to almost any dominant ball handler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I think he could come in and be a 3 and D wing um play with Bradley Bill I think he could start at the three you think you think he could start at the three you know eventually during the season yeah I'd be pretty shocked if he if he was on the Wizards I'd be really shocked if he starts any less than 30 games like um that or I'm sorry 
like less than 40, really. I mean, half the season, it, I think it's completely realistic. Right. And then where do you see his shooting translating? Catch and shoot, you know, he shot 36% from the three. Um, percentage, he was, you know, 1.064. He was 69th percentile shooting off screen. So where is he best off? You know, Corey Kispert, you know, he struggled coming in. You know, he was the best shooter in the draft. Corey Kispert struggled in the beginning of the year. Um, but he got better, you know, during, you know, coming off closeouts, you know, screens and shooting, you know, um, you know, off of hard closeouts. Where do you see Mathurin best off? Is he best coming off screens or pull-up threes? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I think he's a guy who he can punish teams for closing out a little bit too hard. You know, he's more than just a flyby, one step to the side, step back, whatever it is. He can also attack the rim, which makes him very lethal for everybody else around him. And if you have him in a lineup with, I mean, you could put Bradley Beal at the point, four shooters out there, and it's incredibly mm-hmm. realistic. And right. that's a massive weapon. I see that on a nightly basis with Dallas. And I know just how lethal that kind of lineup can be. Right. And uh, how do you see him in transition? I remember the one play where he has a behind the back and then he just goes up and dunk it, dunks it. Um, percentage, he's 82nd percentile when in transition as well. How do you see him fitting it in, in transition? Oh, yeah. He's in a running gun. Uh, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always loved Bradley Beal in transition since he was with John Wall. Mm-hmm. I remember those passes they used to make to each other. And yeah. it's not going to be one-to-one, but, I mean, you look at how Bradley Beal found shooters in transition and, and still does, obviously. And I think you're going to see Benedict Matherin thrives off of that. And that's when you're going to see a lot of those like up fakes and slash, because those are in transition when it's, you know, numbers advantage. That's when you're able to see those highlight dunks. Right. Yeah. I would love that. Um, and there's John Wall, you know, there's a small percentage he may come back. You know, if he's bought out, you never know what happens. But yeah, Benedict Matherin is ridiculous in transition. Bradley Bill, like you brought up playing the point guard, I think he, Benedict would really fit well. I think, I think, like you said, I think he's the perfect fit for Washington. I don't think they have the the capital to trade up, but if he falls some way somehow to pick nine or ten, or if the Wizards get lucky in the lottery and get pick eight, I think that would be the perfect spot for Benedict coming in playing next to Bradley Bill. Um, the comparison to KCP, KCP is a good three and D. He's a good shooter, so I, I can't knock that. Of course, I feel like Benedict can be better than that, uh, but I definitely see you know where that comparison could certainly come in because you know KCP when he was with the Pistons, he was more of a ball handler, and I think. Benedict right now is a better ball handler coming in than what KCP is. But, um, yeah, I, I like I like Benedict a lot, and I really hope that, um, you know, he can be on the Wizards. But what's your selling point? I think this is from the Draft uh, Deck podcast. I'm stealing this one from them. Uh, from them. What's your selling point on Benedict Mathurin if you had to sell him, if you had to sell a pin? Yeah, so it starts with, you know, you got a guy with – Great size, great athleticism, excellent shooting ability. It translates. I don't see any way it doesn't translate. He's at the worst passable on defense. He's neutral, which in the NBA, if you're not negative, you're a positive. So you have automatic skills right there. That's his floor setting. And then you consider, hey, his passing can develop. We've seen flashes of games this year where he split up the defense, uh, tore up the defense a little bit with with his passing. And if he can develop that ball handling ability, everybody in the NBA is working on ball handling. If he can be a half-court ball handler, which I don't think is that unreasonable of a jump, although it is the biggest jump you would make in his game, you have a two-way star. Like, and that is the most valuable position to have that two-way creator in some capacity, even if it's just a secondary creator. You're having a two-way guy who can play off-ball, play on-ball, and defend at a really high level, and that's a star. Yeah, you definitely sold me. What's What do you think the vertical is going to be? <laughs> uh, I, I'd be... I'm going to say, I'm going to go the exact number. I'm going to say it's a hair short, 39 inches. 
Yeah, no, I'll take that. I'll take that any day of the week. But Mavs, is there anything you want to plug? No, I uh, just uh, the site Mavs Draft or sorry, the Twitter Mavs Draft is where everything goes through. Just about every day at this point, I'll be doing uh, film reviews or scouting reports on just about every prospect in the draft. Definitely, yep. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NBA from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the NBA Finals. Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight analysis affecting all 30 teams. Mavs, I just want to thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for watching and listening. We are. I am doing a mailbag episode sometime this week before the lottery. The lottery is May 17th, so it's coming up very quickly. Thank you guys for watching and subscribing. Hail to the Wizards. Peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.